skull on it. This Three Beards Media podcast may contain mature themes. And if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it. This Three Beards Media podcast may contain mature themes. And if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the pot. Okay, we're going to go with an opening like this, a cold opening. Double intro? It was a double intro. It was. I couldn't hear it play on my end. So with this. Oh, yeah, it went through. It was fine. It worked. Oh, well, there you go. All right. This is False Starts with Bill Blank and Chris Shipley. Clearly, we know what we're doing around here. Yeah, Uh, you're such an amateur. We're 12 episodes. See, that's two. That's twice. That's twice you're fucking up my episode. With your gross cyclone blood or whatever's running through your stupid brain right now. I'm so fucking mad at you. you know? I'm not kidding you. I was back here going, I cannot believe Bill's not on early. And yeah. then you said, I, I was ready early. I, I was ready early. But uh, your stupid fucking picket I, fence <laughs> glasses. I forgot to send you the link. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I did, I totally forgot. Hey, I sent it to the person that was important. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'll give uh, you that. That's right. So, how's your week been? Strange. Uh, yeah. It's okay. So, first of all, before I forget, I do want to bring up one kind of a mental health tip I came up with uh, this weekend. If you are ever feeling like, you're just having one of those days like mentally where you just kind of feel like you're a piece of shit and like, like nothing's, nothing's ever going to feel right. You know, just something's wrong. Just one of those days. Yep. Uh, all of the, my strange addictions are on HBO max now. (laughs) I swear to God, if you think there's something wrong with you, and I know like we're all about the, we're doing the mental health thing on our podcast, but I've said this a million times. I want this to be fun. Yeah. We're going to have a good time talking about hard things. Okay. And I don't mean to disparage anyone, but I mean, I got to think the lady that snuffs like baby powder all day, she's got to be like one in a billion people. I, I mean, I'm sorry if I offend her <laughs> or the lady that's married to a fucking Ferris wheel. What? Yeah, she's married to a Ferris wheel. There's a term for it. Like, <laughs> she's completely matter of fact too. She's like, my first serious relationship was an airplane. And this <laughs> fixture airplane. There's, there's no way. Yeah, the Ferris wheel's name like... was Bruce. <laughs> and the, <laughs> and her for her last serious relationship before Bruce was a locomotive, and they showed a. So what you're saying is, is anytime I'm feeling low and some low self-esteem, yeah, I just go. turn on HBO Max, exactly, which is called Max and not HBO, yes. even though I'm HBO sorry. was the bigger brand. Yeah, I call it Max and watch My Strange Addiction. Yeah, and I mean, watch- just take your pick. One dude's like married to his car, or like has a relationship with his car, and he's like underneath it with the bumper, like he's like this on the bumper, just like, uh, like okay. making out. With the bumper, it's fucking beautiful, uh, dude. Okay, beautiful. I, um, so yeah, there was that. But 
honestly though uh so i went to hinterland i was at hinterland all weekend um and on sunday morning i come home every night because i'm not a camper i think camping yeah. is stupid um so i come home every night and in the morning i'm driving out sunday morning and that big rainstorm hit yeah and uh i hydroplaned started spinning out like i was on ice and wrecked my car oh man i uh hit the median it was so weird because and this is one of those things where i think like anxiety and stuff over the course mm -hmm. of my life you know how i've talked to you about how it makes everything kind of slow down when there's like big major shit happening right it's like i freak out over little shit but like when there's i've always stayed calm and there was that moment where i know i'm resigned to the fact that i'm not stopping until i hit this concrete median you know right yep and so like from the moment i knew i was going to hit that median to the moment i hit it had to have been three days like yeah it was insane how long that took and i'm just like come on like i'm literally going come on like it's coming yeah like if you're gonna fucking take me take me let's fucking go you know uh but yeah and so i ended up okay and um they didn't total the car it's like 13 grand worth of damage but it was okay so i'm getting it fixed uh i don't lose the car that i love and everything's fine you know i got the deductible and all but you know i'm i just keep telling myself and this is a, maybe another bit of a tip i don't know but i keep telling myself i've worked really hard over the last couple of years to make sure that when shit like this happens it doesn't kill me you know yeah yep 20 years ago this would have my life would have been over i would have been screwed I had no idea right. what to do calling my dad and shit you know yeah yep. so like i'm just telling myself i'm reaping the benefits of my hard work now because that's really why i do it you know yeah um it's bullshit well, but it's a trick i can play on my brain i, just, I don't know, know. I don't think it's bullshit. I think that, that there's a little validity. There's a lot of validity to that. But you know I will. I mean? Yeah. And I will. I will give myself credit for like my my. Maturation, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, my drunk ass roommate came home at like three in the morning on Saturday, you know, Sunday morning. And I saw because I saw him fingering my ring doorbell when he came in. Yeah. And that's how I knew he was drunk. And uh, I was leaving about 845 in the morning and i couldn't find my keys anywhere i looked i tore the house apart for 45 minutes finally i just knocked on his door and was like did you pick my keys up or something with your drunk ass and yeah that's what happened he had my keys in his mm. room uh so had i left when i wanted to i would have hit wouldn't have hit the rain and right. i wouldn't have wrecked my car yeah again 20 years ago i would have came straight home went in his room and beat the living shit out of him for that yeah <laughs> But I know that I can't blame him for the physics. You know right. what I mean? Yep. So that's my Timing. little that's my story. Well, I'm glad you're all right. I'm glad you Yeah, me too, around, man. So you know, I'm glad I I didn't miss this. Nope. Me too. We, we could have uh, done this in memoriam, you know. That's right. It wouldn't have <laughs> wouldn't have been near as fun. I mean, I'd I'd have still had fun, but <laughs> I wouldn't have had to worry about giving you a link. That's for right. Sure. Yeah. No shit. So uh this How is uh, not not too bad. You know what? This week was a lot better. I I, I struggled last week. Uh, the last three days of, of work uh, really struggled uh, over that weekend. And um, again, I'm I'm scheduling these therapy appointments. They're every two weeks. 
Uh, I have another one on Monday. Uh, this has been a good week. I feel better about some stuff. I, I, I really, it's, 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 it's hard to explain how much just knowing that I have somebody that I can go in and talk to about things without any judgment whatsoever Mm -hmm. um, is amazing how much of a clean slate I can go out there. And it's helped me talk more to my wife about some Mm -hmm. of the things that I know are, are okay to talk to her about. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have a conversation about it and she is more understanding now of some of my moods or whatever else. So like your attraction to mascots, like your furry. Yeah. She's cool with that. Yeah. She's cool with that. As long as I don't, I mean, I don't bother her then. So she's all right with it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I was a polar bear in high school. That's, I don't want to turn you on or anything. (laughs) (laughs) We were still Uh, off the rails. Okay. Yeah, baby. All right. Uh, Well, nobody's tuning in to listen to us. Let's be honest. No, that's true. Uh, Well, anybody extra. Right, anybody extra? Right, <laughs> the three other people that listen every yeah, week. Yeah, the, the three, the three, you know, loyal listeners. Right, uh, but uh, one of our things that we had talked about when we started this pod was men's mental health, but also we wanted to dive into sports because there's a lot of uh, mental toughness things like that that enter into that, and that's a realm that we wanted to have always wanted to get into. Uh, one of our first guests was Lindsay Fennelly. She was an amazing guest. Um, well, it's so, also like what men tend to talk about most. <laughs> yes. You know, and if you can, if you can combine the sports conversations with mental health conversations, and you know, make it fun. You know, that's you, we repeat that a lot. That's kind of the mission of this is to have fun talking about hard things, and so yeah. we want to bring sports into the mix and and talk about those struggles and. Um, you know, a lot of times these guys aren't human beings to us, really. Right. You know, and so it's good to put a human face on people and kind of dig a little deeper than just, you know, yep. whatever drew you to them in the first place. Well, and that was part of the reason why I reached out to this gentleman, because he had put a tweet out um, a couple of weeks ago that when I read it was something that I, I thought it was an epiphany for him as he tweeted it out. And it was something that showed more of the human side about him. And I know for probably for the majority of Iowa State fans, they would probably be hard pressed to believe that about this gentleman. Uh, I've, listened, <laughs> I've listened to him though uh, on Jared and Jabo, and have kind of grown a, a small affection for him, a tiny bit. Um, so, Bill, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest, and we'll bring him on. Yeah. Um, so I did. I've I've been telling myself ever since you know i promised that i wouldn't fanboy so i before i bring him on i just want to make sure that everything's ready to go like on my end you know yeah so just real quick <laughs> i just want to make sure that um and i need to i need to write something down um just real fast uh so yeah, I just, I, I, it's my pleasure, and uh, I'm so happy and excited to welcome our guest, one of my all-time favorite Hawkeyes, Mr. Jordan Bohannon. There he is. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Swell. Thank Thanks, you for Jordan. coming. Stash and all. He's all grown up. <laughs> I'm not a little kid anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was looking at a... Um, you took a picture with my son back in 2017 and uh 
I pulled that up and was looking at that today. And I was like, man, look how young he looks. <laughs> I mean, that would have been what, sophomore year? My, yeah, sophomore yeah. year. Right there. Yeah, there it is. I sent it to Chris. <laughs> little that's, Murray. That's, uh, uh, they used to call me Babyface Assassin, but I don't think they're calling me that anymore. No, no, they're calling, <laughs> no. calling you Porn Stash Assassin. <laughs> <laughs> Like this dude hits five threes and goes and has a threesome with a couple of like <laughs> strippers. This is a good old man. <laughs> yeah, so that's probably I should probably just lead like with probably the number one question on every other like 45-year-old man who dreamt that they ever played a D1 sport in the first place, much less could have been a hawkeye and came out of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're playing for the for the G league wolves now. So number one, um, I think is, uh, how much money do you make? And number two, how many girls have you slept with in oh. college? And since- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, I'm I was just like, my girlfriend's not in the room right now. So I probably shouldn't answer. Right, well, is she say one, the answer's one. <laughs> You're not very That's good. At this, Jordan. See, if I could impart any wisdom on you ever in your life, right there, the answer's one. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's always – if if she's around, it's one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, yes, again, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, uh, like like we said, you know, things are kind of, uh, you know, about mental health here. But is there – you know, what's your journey been like? Everybody obviously saw everything, you know, your um, – what 12 years of college 13 13 yeah so everybody pretty much saw that but what's your journey kind of been like since you know everybody you know most people know that you know you're playing for the wolves now and everything but how did that come about well i mean it started as a kid with a dream as simple as that i always say that when you know now that i'm kind of out of college i have a little more time on my hands during the summers because i'm not have to have any obligations with the college team anymore and be there for you know, those, those preseason workouts. So now I've, I've been running a lot of camps and I'm trying to give back as much as my can, as much as I can to the younger generation, just because I know, you know, how much work it really takes to get to this level. And it takes a lot of time commitment starting at these ages. I'm starting to, you know, try to get my knowledge too. So, you know, it, it was, it was a long Jersey, man. I'm not going to, or long, long, long journey, man. I'm not going to lie to you. Like it was a lot of, you know, a lot of, reflection even while i was going through the journey um a lot of ups a lot of downs you know i had i had so much adversity just to try to even get to college even you know just getting to that first step was you know a major major obstacle and um you know i always hear these people talking about how they're successful and uh, you know they go through these loops where you know it's a really shitty day and it's the best day in the world and that's really what it was like even when I got to college, like it's just a lot of work and mm-hmm. a lot of time commitment, a lot of dedication to your craft. And you really have to love what you do to be able to be successful. And, um, you know, I had a lot of bad days, had a lot of good days in college, but, you know, looking back, I can honestly say, you know, I made the most of my time at Iowa and, you know, they always make that joke. I was there for six years and mm-hmm. 15 years or whatever, how many years they want to say, but, <laughs> you know, if I could do it all over again, I, I'm, I'm damn proud of myself. I decided mm-hmm. to take that route of going an extra year. And, um, you know, it led to a goal of mine of winning a big 10, you know, conference title. And that was huge for me to, you know, kind of be selfish for once and say, you know, I, I did this for my team and I could give back as much as I could. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is anyone that's really, you know, obviously I know, I've always loved your sense of humor about it. You know, you have to, 
that's kind of how you have to come at it um, with that scrutiny. But I, I know that almost, I'd say 99.9% of the people that were giving you shit would have killed to be you. You know what I mean? And yeah. I guess, you know, mentally, how's that work for you where you kind of know when you're going through a tough time or, or, or any adversity whatsoever, and you know, in the, in, in the back of your head, like intellectually, you know, cause you're smart enough to know that so many people wish they were in your position. So many people wish they could be you right now, but that doesn't help. You know, that even though you intellectually know that you, that doesn't make you feel better when you're going through it. So, mm-hmm. What do you do? What What did you do or do you do currently, you know, when that creeps in there, when you're having those days and you know it ain't good enough that, uh, you know, that they all wish they were you because right at that moment, you probably don't wish you're you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. I think, you know, it's funny how much me and my dad kind of lives have overlapped. And obviously he's one of my biggest role models in my life and I love him to death and I can't thank him enough for, you know, opportunities he just has given my family, you know, he really came from nothing out in South Pasadena, California, I grew up, you know, in a really tough time and um, really didn't have much of a family environment around him. And he came out to Iowa because of the great coach Hayden Fry and sold him a dream. And um, he kind of instilled that mentality that a lot of these philosophies that coach Hayden Fry had, you know, he, he contributes that to his, his work life, his, his family life. And he formed this family that he, that he created with my mom that, you know, we wanted to work really hard and have a strong work ethic and you know there's gonna be good days and gonna be bad days but you know you gotta know what's important in your life you gotta you know hold god true to yourself you know you gotta have, keep family close and keep your circle tight and um those are definitely some things i, I wanted to carry on and um coach mccaffrey you know it's a, it's, cra- it's crazy because i've like i've accumulated so much knowledge in such a short amount of time i feel mm-hmm. like so it's, it's always hard for me when someone asks me like these questions like just trying to no it's overloaded keep, right, yeah. yeah absolutely exactly but and, like and and don't worry there's no structure to this at all we're yeah. a couple of idiots so <laughs> just, but no it's it's like i said my my dad and my own life has overlapped so much you know he played at iowa and Iowa was a school for whatever reason. I always wanted to go there. I always wanted to play there. It was my dream school. And, mm-hmm. you know, one thing led to another that it, uh, Coach McCaffrey called me. I accepted the, the next day. And, and you know, I didn't really know what was in store for me and how much, you know, university I was going to welcome me. And, you know, it's funny. I felt like my dad was more of a celebrity than I was going through going through school <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but that was great. But it, it's funny because I, I talked to my dad about how our stories overlap and, um, you know, he always would preach to me about, you know, there's going to be some adversity that's going to hit you and you're going to be questioned by your really your whole life status, like where you stand with your life and what do you believe in? And what do you what do you want to go about it in the next few years, the next you know 10 years, 20 years? And, you know, that really hit me freshman year when I even before, you know, I even started playing my first game. There's just a lot of adversity in the preseason. I didn't know how much I was going to play um, and all these, you know, little thoughts started creeping my head like you're talking about. And, you know, there's there's a lot of you know, mentality that went in my head, like exactly what you're saying. There's a lot of people that would have died to be in my position, even though they're going to be criticizing me and every move I make. And that was hard. That was, that was really hard being in the microscope. And mm-hmm. you know, I was in a microscope for six years of my life. And those six years are a lot of people make a lot of dumb decisions in those six years. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, that, that so like, God bless you for, you know, you, you I mean, you pretty much got through it without any of the big ones. You right. know, 
You didn't yeah. get anybody pregnant. You didn't sexually assault anybody. Uh, you didn't uh, uh, fill you didn't your get busted for gambling. Uh, right. Yeah, there was no. Well, gambling wasn't legal yet. Thank God. But, yeah, uh, we might have we might have lost a couple more. Right. Uh, yeah. But you know, but again, um, and that's you know, uh, like all the nil stuff going on right now. I mean, you are so hugely responsible i mean do you realize how responsible you are for for what everybody has at this point like i feel like everybody getting these nil bills should all send you like some residuals or something like you should get i mean if they all just gave you five bucks you'd probably be a millionaire i don't know about all that <laughs> before we went on that topic i want to i do want to finish yeah, sure. what i was saying just because i think it's how much it's important Absolutely. How, how much i hold it true to my life and appreciate my dad but you know, our overlaps in our lives and you know i was going through that struggle my freshman year and um i had to dig deep down like is this really what i want to do is this mm-hmm. really what i'm cut out to do is this what you know god really has in store for me and you know i had a lot of long talks with my dad that just left me in tears when i was done talking to him and you know i, I just was questioning a lot of things and you know something he he kind of instilled in me was you know thinking about you know, a lot of the kids that are out there that are looking up to you and, you know, they would dream to be in your position and they're following your every move. And that was big for me to realize that. And um, he, he had, he formed a lot of special relations with, um, you know, the children's hospital wasn't as big as when he was back in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he had a lot of important relationships that he touched on. And, you know, he had this one kid that, you know, looked up to him so much. He, he had no arms, no, no legs. And he, he painted a statue of him with just his teeth. And he's like, that, that's the kind of stuff that kept him, kept him going way back then was kids that literally had nothing going for their life. Not saying nothing going in a bad way, but right. Right. Going, yeah. nothing going like they could me. easily not have any hope. Exactly. Yeah. No hope at all. And here he is, you know, being an inspiration to, you know, a quarterback that led the team in the Rose bowl. And, you know, that was something that hit home for me when he started telling me those stories of his life. I was like, man, I need to get to the children's hospital. Like, not in a sure. selfish way. I need to realize, like, the things my dad, how his emotions was moved, like, my mine mm-hmm. were my freshman year. And that was one of the big things I, I did. I went to the children's hospital and formed these great relationships with a lot of these kids. And it, it was something that I didn't realize was going to be so beneficial for me because I got to share so much experiences with them and learn about their stories. And they just affected me in some sort of way. And I was like, you know, any type of adversity that I'm going through, it is nothing compared to what some of these kids are going to the children's sure. hospital. And that's why, you know, I made it a goal of mine to continue to be in there for a lot of these kids in there. And, you know, that was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that, you know, looking back, I'm so damn proud of myself. I was able to do that and try to inspire these kids. And in the end of it, it, were, it really wasn't something I was trying to inspire them. They ended up inspiring me to do great things because of what they didn't have that I did. And that's mm-hmm. something that I think a lot of people need to, know have their emotions move like myself did and know how my dad did so i know that was a long story but i, I no that's great <laughs> no, no it's great I mean, it's great i that's, uh, uh it's it's 100 percent um it's 100 on point like it, it's hard sometimes to do to do things that are good for the community or, or anything like that sometimes it's hard because you feel almost like people are going to judge you as if you're doing this for yourself he's just doing this for publicity he's just doing this to look good you right. know what I mean? Like a, a photo op, so to speak, or whatever. So even no question, they're going to be inspirational. I mean, and you shouldn't have to apologize for them, <laughs> for them inspiring you. You know what I mean? Especially when you made their day. 
So yeah. I, I, you know, well, and a lot of people may not realize that either, right? I, it's pretty profound on the other end of it. My boys, uh, Joshua and Jordan, have Williams syndrome. Um, they <clears throat> have gone through victory day at Iowa State. They were kid captains for Iowa State, <clears throat> but the profound effect that you guys have when you give your time to those kids and things like that is a lasting effect for them as well. So it's a mutual thing on both ends. I, I think a lot of people see the benefits that the kids get, but don't realize how much those kids and the, and those inspirational stories teach you guys too. Right. Yeah. 100%. I think that's the main thing too, is well, the first thing is just relationships you build with some of these families and, you know, I was fortunate just to go down another storyline. I, I was fortunate to meet this kid um, named Tate Shaver, and he he literally changed my entire life and view on life, even after all these kids that I, I formed relationships with because he was – it was during the kind of the COVID battle. He's really struggling, and um, he, he was from Williamsburg, and his family was so such big Iowa fans, and um, – he ended up passing away around COVID time and he was at our game. Like it was, it was during COVID and it was like, he was, had probably two months to live and he was there cheering his, cheering his butt off. And we're like, you know, this is a kid that has so much that he, you know, she shouldn't be this happy in this moment. Right. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be this happy meeting us or hanging out with us because of what's on the horizon. It wasn't looking good. And, you know, that was something that I think touched a lot of lives on our team was, you know, man, <laughs> We're, we're complaining about a two hour and two and a half hour practice. Like, what are we doing? This is nothing yeah. compared to yeah. what other people are going out in 24 seven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, it's funny you say that. Cause I always reflect on that. Uh, six years ago when I went through cancer and I was going to get chemo every Monday morning, I remember a young kid that was in there, had a mask on. He was already in the room he was getting his chemo by the time i got there and was still hooked up and going through it when i would leave every day and i used to think to myself i'm you know i'll be damned if i'm gonna feel sorry for myself when that kid is over there way longer than i am he's certainly a hell of a lot tougher than i am because i don't know that i'd have been able to do that when i was 10 or 11 and those types of things just make you want to work even harder and maybe realize the blessings that you have in your own life as well yeah, and that's a, and that's something with our society nowadays. It's just we kind of have to go through a bad period in our life now mm-hmm. to realize how much we're truly blessed. Which I I wish it did. It wasn't like that. I wish we woke up every day and we we're truly blessed for our position. And, and you know, I'm guilty of it too. You know, I was in college and there's some workouts I didn't want to go to. I was like, this is this is stupid. This is dumb. Like I, I'm sore. And at the end of the day, like if you know, I had no legs, would I really have the same viewpoint? really yeah. like really Jordan yeah. is that really what your mindset is but um, for whatever reason that's something that you know we have to go through a tragedy to really count our blessings even more and you know that's something you know I've always tried to have a better mindset in it's it's tough it can be really tough I, I think that you guys basketball players in general uh, I don't think people realize the amount of work that goes into a season there you you think of football they go to fall camp they play in the fall they have some workouts in the spring or whatever but you guys are in the gym probably from the time school starts you have a long season all the way into march almost april um talk about not only the normal everyday pressures that you have as a freshman going into college with all of that but then throwing that on top of it 
what what were some of the things that I, we've talked a little bit about, you know, what you've seen from other people and that's inspiring, but what was that transition like going in there and, and mentally having to not only, again, be a freshman in college, just like every other freshman, but now you've got these huge expectations as well, uh, playing a sport that's super hard and long. Yeah, no, it's tough. I think the time commitment alone is something I don't think people truly realize. Like, and that's something you can go along with Bill, you're talking about with NIL. You know, guys are complaining about how much these guys are getting paid. And, you know, I've, that's why I've always been a huge player advocate. Kind of touch on that real quick, just because I know the time commitment that it takes for these athletes. And it's not only the time commitment, it's, it's the expectations that you're talking about, Chris. You know, there's so much expectations and pressure put on these kids nowadays. I mean, you look at it. They're like, what, what do they have to be stressed about? You know, they're playing the game they love. They're on full scholarship. Now they're making a little money. But you're looking at the grand scheme of things. Like, they're, you know, my life. I was in a microscope for six years. Like, you, you can, if you have one bad interaction, you're going to be labeled as a bad person. Like, you could have 100 positive interactions with families, with kids, people, and then they catch you on a bad day. And it just takes one person to have a bad interaction and have you under that microscope. And they publicize it now and you're labeled as that person just because mm -hmm. of one person and i think that's the pressure that you know so a lot of people that don't know this my brother zach he ended up t attending every single one of my basketball games mm -hmm. and i didn't realize until like half halfway through my sophomore year i was like why are you doing this like what i, I get it like i love you for it but you don't have to come to every single one of my games yeah and it, sure enough you know two games later he, he he came to maryland and i had one of the worst games of my career and you know i was reading these tweets about myself and Zach was sitting next to me after the game. We we're sitting in the on the court of Maryland, and our, our flight just got delayed, so we had a little time to talk. And he's like, "What you're doing right now, reflecting on yourself and thinking about how shitty of a person you are. That's why I'm here. I'm here yeah. for you. I'm here for you yeah. as a person. I'm not here for you as a basketball player. I could care less about you as a basketball player." And that was another thing that you know it kind of broadened my horizon of what these athletes are dealing with. And you know, there's a time commitment, the pressure, the expectations. It can get you. It can get you in places that you don't want to be, even as a normal person. There, your mental, your mind is your most important, you know, attribute of yourself. And those minds of some athletes out there, it, it can get in some pretty dark places just because of that. Well, that's you know, in a lot of ways, that's the difference. Like you do, we just saw it with the the club pro. Um, was that the Masters? The, the 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 guy that had that crazy run and then got invited to the next tournament and just ate ate a dick like finished last yeah. or whatever like that's kind of the people don't that that's one of the probably the biggest separator from great and good is the mental strength to block all that shit out or to be able to at least overcome it you don't necessarily have to block it out but maybe channel it as motivation maybe you know but I got to imagine like when your own fans, when it's your own fans, like, you know, that's a situation. That's another part of my like kind of maturation process um, in my life. I mean, I'm obviously I, I, I would be like really critical. And at one point uh, I just had this revelation and I was like, these guys have provided there. If, if, any one thing in the world has provided me more joy in my life. This, this is it. The most joy that I've had in my life is in somehow related to Iowa games, whether it's basketball or football. And I don't mean like, I don't mean over the, 
you know, the birth of my son and all these, you know, the, the real shit, but I'm just saying like how much fun I've had, how, how many, like how many hug times I've hugged strangers and all, all of the great things. And I'm like, what kind of dick am I for a kid having a bad game? And I'm like, ah, you know, fucking you, he's on scholarship. He's got to hit that shot or whatever, you know? And I just remember one day thinking to myself, man, what a dick. So now all I ever do is bitch at the refs. I complain about the refs. <laughs> I blame the refs for every single thing, no matter what. In fact, there if I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend going through my Twitter history because <laughs> if you go back long enough, you probably hate me. But there's times where I can distinctly remember saying like, you know, blaming blaming refs on a level of like uh I'm trying to think of an example, but uh, bottom line is I, I basically was saying like Jordan Bohannon is perfect in every way and everything that's wrong right now is referee related. Basically was. Which is why our logo has a referee on it, by the way. If you I was like, this I is, it. Yeah, that's why it's called false starts because of how much I hate referees. I, well, it, well, if you guys didn't know, I'm the ref accountability officer. So. Oh, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. And. And in fact, I before Chris uh, reached out to you to be on this show, I actually tweeted at you a long ass time ago because you were you. I think it was a video you shared something about referees, and I was like, "Dude, you got to come on our podcast because we share the same hatred for these people." <laughs> just as a species, I just think they're horrible human beings as a whole. I think that whatever makes them decide to want to be a referee especially for a living is the same thing that makes the kids that got beat up in high school want to be cops they're the yeah. same exact people hey I'm, I'm down to go to that rabbit hole you don't have to get me going yes <laughs> that's what i'm saying and you know what have you chris have you watched have you watched the uh what was the ref's name what was that ref's name tim whatever Oh, Tim Donahue. Yeah, have you watched that? Donahue on on Untold on Netflix. Netflix. Yes, I've watched it. Have you watched it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm right about everything. All I needed was that one documentary. Yeah. (laughs) I do want to touch on the entertainment aspect. You you kind Mm -hmm. of brought it up. I think think that's a big, like, that you're realizing that, even me, I, I didn't realize that until I was going through the process, like, how much of a... I want to say zoo animal, but you're really like you're out. Yeah, there. no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and it, it, I have I have two stories, but the first one's kind of funny. Like I remember we we're in Sioux Falls playing. It's, Sioux Falls is one of my favorite places to play in the world. Yeah, like, that, that little was, weird thing arena was, or whatever. Yeah, Pentagon Arena. Like yeah. it was it was phenomenal because it, it was all Iowa fans. Like all the uh-huh. Iowa fans on the western side of the state, they're like, "This is fantastic!" Mm-hmm. Like we haven't been able to see Iowa basketball all year because we're all not right. we're not going to drive four and a half hours midweek. Right. So anyway. Long story short, we're doing we're going through warm ups, and you know I, I I tend to anytime there's like I'm free and people ask for autograph, ask for a picture, I always was doing it unless it was like obviously doing warm ups and during a game, which I've had that happen before. And but we're going through warm ups, stretching, and like obviously I'm we're all getting focused, so we're not going to take the time to go over and do a picture because it's you know it's it's business now, and. I remember there's this lady out there and she was just snapping at us, like snapping, like, hey, 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 you guys, look. We're like, like she was like a huge <laughs> Iowa fan, but I remember I was standing next to Tyler Cook and she's like, and he's like, man, we are really zoo animals if you think about it. 
but you what the, that's what we're there we're like we're we're giving a product to as entertainment and all this money is being made off the backs mm-hmm. of these players like it is a is it it is a huge entertainment and, aspect of it and and that's one of the evils of money and capitalism in my opinion is when people spend money on it they think that entitles them to all these different things yes. you know like um and it doesn't mean that i don't think i mean i've said this many times you know i don't think that uh a, a college athlete for my favorite team or whatever is is above criticism by any means you know right. i mean there's there's some level of it that's just i mean that's just uh, on an accountability level or something yeah, yeah. you know but like when you're adding people on Twitter, because and I've always said, like, look, they're still men. OK, I realize when somebody says something like they're just kids or whatever, like, well, they've been through puberty. And if they commit a murder, they're going to get tried as an adult. So yeah. let's not say they're just kids just yet. They've got right. some kind of capacity to know right and wrong and everything. But at the same time, they're providing you with so much joy that. You know, like I said, you can be critical, but when you're adding somebody, when somebody yeah. at you on Twitter, so that they can make sure you see it. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just a different level of asshole. I don't mm-hmm. understand. It. Well, and it's usually behind a fake account, anyways. With the they don't put the real name on it. So, hundred percent. Yeah. Which is a lot of the times what happened to me. Like I have a bad game. A lot of, I mean, there's some people that had their actual Twitter account. I mean, it. At the end of the day, I know a lot of those people that have tweeted at me have been really bad things. If I ever if I ever see them in real life, I do hold grudges. I don't I I, I it's hard for me not to. I've always been a person like I'm gonna be the bigger person, which I will be, but I'm like, I don't know what you did to me. Like that's yeah. kind of my mentality. I'm gonna remember that. There's well, nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with bringing the receipts. Yeah, if exactly. Any, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you're anything like me. And I think I think that you probably are just not know, not knowing you personally, but watching you over the years play basketball and whatever else. I think that socially, you're probably a lot like me, where I'm really good at making somebody want to hit me when I'm talking yeah. shit. Like, <laughs> well, well, that kind of happened to me. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> But, but see, like the story was never told, you know, all there was yeah. was the video. It will, it will be someday once, yeah, all the once everything's done and you can yeah. actually, I'll, I'll tell well, you. Yeah. you know, Jordan, and not for you to go deep into that, but I, from the Iowa State side as a fan side, I can remember when that happened, a lot of Iowa State fans rejoiced, rejoiced in it, whatever, yeah. and it physically made me sick because. You on the basketball court, I can hate you as much as I want, right? You were in that opposite uniform. I want you to miss every shot. I don't want you to succeed. But at the end of the day, you're a person and you're a young man, and I don't want to see somebody do that. And, man, did I take some heat from people on my side because I was like, that's that's not something you celebrate and whatever. And I think I learned that <clears throat> because as I've been on Twitter, I've gotten to know not necessarily college athletes, but college athletes' fathers, right? I got to know George Condon's dad pretty well, met him a couple times, got to meet Roy Walling's uh, uh, father, have become really good friends with him. And I know that they're, it, it just makes it a little more human, right? And they're a little more human of a person. And this, this Iowa, Iowa State, this rivalry thing, I can hate the team and I can want you to lose every game. But as a person, I don't want to see that type of stuff. And I don't understand why people are like that. It's because yeah. none of them ever have been hit in the face. Yeah. That's the, like, 
I think I've said it before on this podcast. Like, if if everybody had the threat, like anybody, especially the Iowa State fans rejoicing, I bet I bet you ninety percent of every one of those people that were rejoicing have never been in a fight and have never gotten hit in the face for no reason or another. Like I just, I'm 45 years old. I got hit in the face at the, at a bar last year by a fucking seven footer. Like, yeah. And it's, and it was for literally no reason. Yeah. So like anyone that's had that happen and, and literally could do nothing about it. Like when that happened to me, the dude, they, they snatched him up, ran him out of the bar right away. I got no chance to fight back. I got no chance to do nothing. All I got was a fucking bloody lip and some swelling. And that was it. And I did nothing to deserve it, you know? So, like, if you knew what it was like to get hit, to get sucker punched by somebody and not be able to do shit about it, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't rejoice. (laughs) Yeah. And that was was a tough thing for me. I I mean, we don't have to talk about death, but I think the fact, like, you know, what happened and, you know, what happened happened and, you know, I, I obviously I can't really share what sure. exactly happened. No, we're not. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's tough for me because I know ninety nine point nine percent of the people that actually talk to me and know me as a person know, you know, they wouldn't believe all the all the shit that's going and you know have that reasoning why I got hit and all that all that stuff. But you know, it was it was it's tough because you know I look back and I finally here, so I came back to home and we play, which was great. That was my favorite environments to ever play in. But yeah, you don't realize like how truly human you know we are out there because you know i told my parents i was like you guys shouldn't go you guys stay home my brother should stay home i don't yeah, want so they don't have to oh, listen yeah. to it yeah yeah and we actually we had to like i, I we hired a security to walk my parents and my family in like it was a big ordeal because i was like i wasn't worried about me like i'll handle myself and mm. whatever happened in the past to me like this is not me i don't want my brother might punch somebody though <laughs> yeah. well that was yeah. that's what that's exactly what was my head because i know yeah. how protective my family members are yeah so like we we had you know two SWAT team members for through because my brother's in the military so he had a couple of his buddies come with us and he sat next to us and we had University Iowa police with us walking my family in and out of the game you know my girlfriend was there too and it was just a bizarre you know kind of feeling like to have in your back of your because because exactly what you're saying like people don't really humanize some of these players that are out there and like there's a there's some real shit that you kind of go through when you kind of go through some adversity like that. Yeah, and what a good what you go through mentally. Now you have that extra layer the next yeah. time you're playing, which is a distraction. It's something else that's on your mind besides the game. And anyway, I mean, I I can remember playing games. I mean, I played baseball in high school and college, and like I can remember playing games where I had something distracting me. I can't imagine being in Hilton Coliseum on the opposing team. <laughs> you know, like right. It was awesome. Though. It, that was one of my favorite games. I know we lost by like twenty five, but man, like stepping foot in that arena and like feel having. See, I'm a guy like I like to be cocky in the court because I yeah. It's like you're the bad yeah. guy wrestler. Yeah. It's, you're you're yeah. being the bad you're guy real. wrestler. Exactly. That's the but entertainment. I, I yep. love to have that happen. Like I was, I was, I knew that the aspect of being an entertainer almost, and yeah. I, I knew I believed in my talents. Like I'm gonna go out there on the court. And I'm gonna give you know the crowd exactly what I believe I can you know provide and that was you know play the best i can and i'm gonna be kind of cocky when i do it and be confident so you know it was fun stepping foot in that arena and having everyone chant fucking bohan and i'm like yeah. my mom was all pissed off i'm like looking back mom that well you like, can't you should be happy right yeah. like that's see shit like that like like my son my son is a professional wrestler now and depending on you know the the promotion or the event 
he's he might be a bad guy, might be a good guy. And so like when he's a bad guy and I'm there, all these people are yelling horrible shit at him. <laughs> and and these are like these aren't just wrestling fans, these are independent wrestling fans and like <laughs> Newton. So <laughs> these motherfuckers got three teeth and dirty ass shirts and shit, yelling, fuck you at my son, you know. And I but I love it because I know he's doing his job if they're yelling at him like that. Yeah. You know, but exactly. at the same time, the father in me sometimes is just like, dude, I mm. <laughs> well, and I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have the foggiest clue what this feels like, but I would imagine when you have thousands of fans screaming at you like that and then you hit a dagger three to shut them up that's got to be feeling pretty sweet oh yeah and that's that's something looking back on you know everyone always you know i even had some iowa fans being critical of me because of how you know i i got i love the game of basketball and i want to portray that on the court and that's something i am very passionate in but for whatever reason when i started speaking out about college athletes i started you know I had all these great moments as a Hawkeye already in the Jersey. Like I'm going to, you know, still be confident in the court. I'm going to mm-hmm. be the same exact person I was. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, when that whole NIL thing happened, I started speaking out. People thought like, you know, what is he doing? This is not him. I'm like, you look back, people are following me like personally, like from freshman year, all the way to, I, was, I was the same exact person. Mm-hmm. I was the same exact person. I just spoke out about something that a lot of people didn't like. And for whatever reason, when college athletes do that, some fans don't don't they don't want to hear their point of views for whatever reason. Well, I think that athletes in general, there's just fans they they want you. It's that shut up and play mentality. And me personally, I love it. I love it when you guys use your platforms because I think that's the responsible thing to do. Right. And uh, there's one one of my favorite bands, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, has a line in a song, and I wish I could remember the name of the song. Now I sound like I sound like an idiot saying they're one of my favorite bands, but um, they have a line in a song that says, "Why stand on a silent platform? Fight the war, fuck the norm." Mm-hmm. And so, like I have lived by that. Doing, you know, I I've been a stand-up comedian my whole adult life. So, like when I first started going on stage, I used to think about that all the time because I wanted to talk about things that mattered on stage. I wanted to be funny, but I wanted to have a point. Yeah. And so that used to go through my head all the time. And so, you know, guys like you, um, I absolutely adore LeBron James for for the human that he is. You know, I mean, I'm a, and I've always been a Laker fan, but not a LeBron fan. So, he, you know, doesn't feel like a Laker, but as a human, it's like this dude is putting how many kids through college now? Like, I mean, just the amount of human things that's using your platform. And I you have used your platform for something that has literally changed college sports forever. Mm. Yeah. Well, and, and that's something in my mindset too. Sorry, Chris, to interrupt. No, you. that's all right. Go ahead. Um, I, but I think that was something, you know, obviously there's it something when you deal with, it wasn't really that political, but I spoke out something that had something to do with basketball, yeah. really didn't have something to do with basketball. And some Iowa fans didn't like it, but you know, I, well, you weren't I'm, thinking politically when you were saying, no, and I'm just right. thinking about what's right. And that's something yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't think that was a, that big of a you know, controversial right. issue, issue. And when I speak out about something, I'm going to be knowledgeable on it. And you know, I, had, I feel like for the most part, I've had all the facts straight when someone ever came at me on social media or in person about why they don't like me as a player anymore. You know, if they were <laughs> Iowa or Iowa State guys, but 
I'm, it's not like I started speaking out about like the Russian wars, Cold War that was going on in 1948 and why. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm literally doing something that I know to heart. Like I've studied, I've researched, I've done my work. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. a part, I'm still a part time, you know, employee of the NCPA that I, I worked with to pass, you know, this NIL stuff. So, you know, as much as, you know, it sucks for some Iowa fans that even came at, at me after that, I know, you know, at the oh. end of the day. I, 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 those are those guys, man. <laughs> like, this is as a fan. That this is where Iowa fans piss me off because I feel like they make me look bad. Like when, <laughs> like, like when somebody's like looking at what an Iowa fan is, so to speak. Because as dumb as it is, a lot of us do that. We have like these prejudgments we make about people as as who they are based on what they team they cheer for or whatever else you know like i think pretty much all cyclone fans are little bitches i don't know any of them oh i'm sorry i'm literally right here dude i apologize (laughs) what i meant to say was uh, (laughs) but like it's just uh that's a great point though bill like because even now like i'm out of college and you know i went through the rivalry i would like to say i was you know, i was hoping i was the face of the rivalry because i kind of like wanted yeah. to be selfish like that because i wanted to push the rivalry to be being better when i was gone yeah but like now like i'm out of college and yeah i'm a huge diehard iowa fan now but you know, i have some of my best buddies now that are iowa state fans like i don't yeah. care about that whole thing once it gets to real life like well yeah, yeah. exactly and you're gonna talk your shit or whatever but yeah. like that but see those people that feel the need like, first of all, why, how enti- fucking entitled are you? And what makes you feel the need to go up and go, well, I used to like you, but when you did this and this and this, and I'm going to go ahead and you you don't have to confirm or deny this. I'm going to go ahead and guess that almost every one of them that said shit like that to you was over the age of 65 mm-hmm. and white. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably. I, I, it's probably 100% because those, that's the, those are the people that are keeping like weed illegal. You know, those are the people in our state that are keeping Kim Reynolds in office. Like, those are the exact people that are going to walk up to you and go, I gave my money for tickets and you go play and shut the fuck up. Like, Shut up and dribble is a is a is a 100%. terrible terrible yeah statement. like fuck those people don't ever I, feel bad about those right. people I know you probably don't but no I don't and I, don't. I will tell you this Jordan <laughs> Bill talked about LeBron and how he didn't like LeBron but he likes what he stood for and whatever I the moment probably that turned for me with you was you left your shoes on the court and I was like that motherfucker like what a dick. And then the next day I find out you're donating them to charity to give money to the kids. And I was like, well, fuck now. I, <laughs> now I gotta fucking like So, and that, that's, that's just being brutally honest. Like at that point I was like, okay, you know what? Uh, it's more about that than it is the rivalry and whatever else. And, and frankly, if I'm being hundred percent honest, if George Niang would have dropped those shoes in Carver, I'd have been like, you just thought it was yeah. the most great exactly. thing ever. Exactly. That's a serious mic drop. That's exactly. Awesome. exactly. So. But that's what, that's what's so great. You know, people that know this story, like, the, cause the shoes end up in the trash can and because security got to throw them in. And um, one Iowa fan, I guess like came out and took the shoes off and gave them back to, or took the shoes out of the trash can or something like that. And gave them to our, got into like our, the tunnel by the locker room and, one of our assistant grad assistants was there and he, he got them that way. And I was like, what am I going to do with these shoes now that I just pissed off? Like pretty much the whole central <laughs> and Western side of the state. And I was like, 
And then there's a lot of, there, actually, there is a lot of issues going about me giving them to charity. And this was kind of started a little bit of even more of my push for college athletes. For NIL, yeah. Yeah, because I actually, I was trying to donate them to Chillin's House. But my, I remember I called Fran. I was like, Coach, I'm going to do this. Like, I think this is going to be great. There's already so much publicity around it. And it went viral. Like, so many people are pissed off about this. But what if I did this? He's yeah, like, a bunch of red tape, obviously. You're just trying to give somebody a hospital a bunch of money and exactly. you do all this legal shit. Yep. And he's like, J-Ball, you're 100%, 100% have a great idea. Let's do it. And then I remember I got a call from you know a compliance office, and they're trying to say that I wasn't legally allowed to do that as a college athlete. Jeez. And they said how I should refrain from doing it. And so you know what I did 30 minutes later? I put those <laughs> I put those shoes on Instagram. I said I'm donating all this more to the children's hospital, and I actually I was close to being like ineligible. Like in the oh really? Year. That's like, insane. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like how much I went through, and you know, obviously I love the University of Iowa, and they were probably just doing their jobs. But that kind of kickstarted me to you know touching on NIL, and that's what I wanted to do next because I I lived it firsthand. I know yeah. how idiotic the NCA is. So well in. And to me, well, we did. We end up raising, you know, twenty six, I think twenty six and a half thousand dollars. Yeah, that's amazing. Costco. And um, it, it's crazy because uh, I had I, I did it my last year. Sorry, I'm raining again, but no, no you're, you're right. <laughs> but I did it my last year. I donated the money officially. Um, at, that was kind of my like last memento as I left. I was just I wanted that to be my last action before I stepped off campus and. Um, our, it, it's crazy because where the money went to is for like AEDs. So like when a, there's been a lot of athletes that are, you know, drop dead on the ground when they're working out mm-hmm. or a lot of it happens in gyms or courts or mm-hmm. by your, by your courts. So the AED, you know, it like, like, I don't know, it shocks the heart back to, you know, bring them back to life. And it's, it's crazy because the two and a half years of the span, like I, I had the whole thing happen. I got everything finally figured out how I'm going to donate the money and where I'm going to go to. Um, as I was figuring that out, it, uh, well, I, I gotta rewind. So my, <laughs> my AU coach, he had a daughter that de- dealt with heart issues. So I like, I want to do something with the heart gotcha. for the money. And then, you know, a year and a half passed and I'm still like trying to figure out where I want the funds to go exactly like related to the heart and our manager, Pat, literally he, he dropped dead to the ground. He, I think he died for like a minute and a half. And our trainer saved his life by going into AAD and shock his heart back. So um, that kind of like furthered my, you know, mental. I wanted to do that to, you know, sure. Where I want the funds to go. So that's, that's a great thing too. Like in conclusion, like Iowa State gives me shit. I'm like, well, you're going to talk shit about hospital. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break here. We're going to get a word from Revelton Distilling Company. And then Jordan, I want to come back. Uh, I want to talk about your tweet. That, that prompted me to reach out to you. And then I really want to talk about uh, this gambling scandal uh, and get your thoughts on that. Cause and I feel like you got a lot to say about that. Yeah. Before we do this break, there's one thing, one point I want to make about the NIL. Cause even though it's kind of the wild West now and everything's crazy. Um, I still don't even think it's enough to be honest because what people fail to realize is everything I have on right now, none of this went to the players. This hat, this shirt, mm-hmm. everything that has the tiger, my sunglasses, all this stupid shit that I put on to show to be funny. Like, no player got any money from that. And do you think anybody on on in this whole entire fucking state would own any of this merchandise if it weren't for sports? Right. Yeah. None of it. 
that it would just be parents of kids that went to school there. You know, I have a Central College shirt because my sister went there. That's it. Yeah, and I, so I hate like, the argument too. The the whole scholarships enough. Like they get. Let's be honest. Like who they call student athletes, but what are they going to school for? They're not going yeah. to go to the football players, the basketball players, wrestlers, the profitable sports. They're not going and say, okay, I'm going to Iowa because I want a degree. No, they're yeah. going to Iowa because they got a scholarship to play basketball. They got a scholarship to play football. Right. And that scholarship is, yeah, it's a lot of money. But, I mean, you're in a full-time job, all the TV rights, media deals, all that stuff. All that is adding up pretty quickly, and all that's going into right. the wrong pockets. That's and you weren't allowed to – you weren't – you're not allowed to make any money on your own. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to commit all this time. Yep. Which yeah. then makes you even more poor than a regular student because you can't make any money. <clears throat> So if you want to order a pizza, you gotta like beg your mom. Yeah, um, I, I <laughs> could talk about this for two hours, but yeah. it's, it's, it's well, you know, we, well, no. we'll get rid of Chris and we'll keep going. <laughs> there you go. go. Ahead, uh, That's all right. That's all right. Take the break. All right, let's take this break and we'll come back with Jordan. <laughs> At Revelton Distilling Company, everyone has become a part of the Revelton family, from the Taylors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins, to the team who installed Lucy our 33-foot-tall custom-made still, right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn, and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. Want to see the farm to flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45-minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind-the-scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer. Okay, and we're back uh, with Jordan Bohan. Jordan, I want to read this tweet that you put out uh, July 17th. Um, I'm not sure why this spoke to me, other than the fact that I think it was self-reflective, and I found it to be um, pretty profound. Uh, after my camp and all the sixth grader came up to me, what do I need to do to be as good as a shooter as you were? I talked about some drills and the amount of shots I would make and how many hours I would work out per day per day. But then the more I thought of it, I wasn't right to answer it like that. As I continue to journey on with my life, the more I realize that your mindset is the biggest factor in any profession you're in. The physical work is really just a byproduct. I did a disservice to the kid by answering with what rather than how and why. Don't compare yourself to anyone. Work to be better, not as good, not as good as. Be comfortable with being lonely and determine who you are with in the darkness. I think the biggest thing for me was be comfortable with being lonely because I've kind of suffered from that recently, um, just in my job and 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 things like that. So when I read that, I just thought that was really profound of what you wrote. I appreciate that. I know, you know, I've, I have all this knowledge. I know I'm still, you know, I like to consider myself young, but I've, I've garnered a lot of knowledge within these last six and a half, seven years. And I made mistakes, but you know, through the mistakes I learned and, you know, through the diversity I learned and um, I knew where I was at as a kid. And I did, I looking back as a, you know, eighth grader, seventh grader, if someone would have told me I would have broken the big 10 three point record, I would have been, know you're lying like if you would have had a big 10 title you're lying there's no way i would have played for my dream school you're lying and a lot of it came from the work i put in yes the physical you know actions i put 
myself through to get to that point. But, you know, the more I thought about it as my time as, you know, now I'm 26 and now I kind of go into my next chapter in my life, like the mindset, your mindset is the most important thing you can ever have in your life. Like if you don't have a strong mind, if you don't realize like you can put in all the work you want. And now that I'm playing in the G league and I come across some of these players that, they're phenomenal gifted players, really skilled players, but their mindset is no shit. You know, they're not going to last. They don't listen to people. They don't respect each other. They don't like, they don't understand the whole team aspect. And that's not the physical, you know, that's not a downside on their physical skills. That's all mental skills. And, you know, that's something, you know, I wish a lot of kids are starting to, I feel like it's kind of faltering a little bit because a lot of kids are thinking they can put all this work in and that's great. They should work hard, but, you know, they're not taught the right way. They're not, they're not, these guys aren't taught, they're not taught of, you know, how to go through failure and how to come out of it. They're not taught of, you know, there's going to be nights in the gym, you're lonely, you don't want to be there. You might be want to be at a party with your friends in high school and that's lonely and that sucks. But a lot of kids aren't taught that, that that's the sacrifices you need to make. And, you know, my, my personal favorite one I've learned is, you know, finding, you know, that success through the darkness, you know, going through that adversity and, being almost happy you're in the darkness because that darkness is going to bring out some very, very bright, you know, spotlights for you, for your future. And that's something, again, a lot of kids for whatever reason aren't taught that right now. Well, I think, I think the reason you came, you came to that is because you've done what very few people do and that's live a dream. Once you've actually lived a dream and know that it's possible, it's a lot easier to have that perspective because but yeah, but usually, especially when you're talking to older people, you're talking to people that gave up at some point. Mm. And so people will poo poo that, you know what I mean? But it's funny because when I hear you talk, what I hear is someone that's done you're, you've closed the first act of your life. Like this was act one. And I can tell it's almost like, you know, it's like your life goes in three acts, you know, and you're about to start act two. So it's like act one, the movie, that movie's over. And now comes the sequel. And the sequel is based on everything you learned in the in the first movie. So you're doing that first reflection. And I'm actually, I hope that I'm still alive to talk to you 20 years from now. Because I, I can't wait to see how your mentality changes in the next 20 years. Right. Yeah. Because you know, then you're going to reflect again. It's like that second one. You know, yeah. that's where I'm at. You know? Yeah. I mean, when I was 26, I'd been doing stand-up for a living for like three years. And... I was, I mean, you're almost repeating like so much of what I was saying, like all those sacrifices and all that stuff. But what, what's really happening though, is if you really love it, if you really love it, you'd kind of rather be in the gym than at the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of would rather be there and that's kind of why you're there, you know? Yeah. And I think that's just the difference, honestly, when it comes to, I mean, of course there's a lot of D one athletes that are, just God gifted so much that they at least get that far because let's face it, scholarships are awarded on potential and you don't know until they get there, what they're going to be really. But um, I just, I, I feel like um, as you, as you look back and, and you have all that pride, I mean, do you ever, are you ever worried that like, where do I go from here? I mean, is it, are you scared sometimes about what's what's next? Oh, I was scared to death after I was done at Iowa. And, you know, people always ask me, 
I've been back to Iowa City, like all my friends, they come, they go downtown Iowa City, and I haven't stepped foot since I've been done. I'm like, this is exactly what you're talking about. Like, I'm ready for what's next in my next, in this next act, like my next chapter. Like, I'm ready to get going with that. And, you know, it, it was, it's scary when you're a 20, you know, I was 24 after I was done with Iowa, and I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do yet. I didn't know. Right. I was debating even just being done with basketball, but, you know, I've realized like some of my teammates, some of my friends that played sports in college and me just talking to them, it's a scary place when you're done playing the sport. Absolutely. Oh, I'm sure. It is. It's been your whole identity up until then. Right. And and that's the, I mean, I've suffered that, you know, same deal with with standup. You know, you're doing that thing that everyone identifies you as. And so, one of the scariest questions to answer is, well, what are you doing right now? If it's not what they've always known you to be doing, because it feels like you're telling them you failed. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great way to explain it because I ran to so many people just on the street, you know, they're, you know, thanking me for being a hawk. They're thanking me for everything I did for the university. And that, you know, a lot of, a lot of those conversations are very memorable now looking back on my life and thinking about what I'd done. But you know, I'm a guy that I don't want to, you know, keep living in my past. Right. You know, I want to. I want right. to be known for, you know, helping people to do what's good in life and using my expertise to help others in the next generation. And you know, even if they're older than me, to help them out with their lives. And you know, we started talking about like the entertainment aspect, and you're talking mm-hmm. about how your all the memories you've had watching Iowa, like hugging you know strangers and stuff. I had I did have a story that just reminded me of it. Um, you know, just thinking about, you know, the cool things I did in my life and try to use that as my next chapter. I remember I was at the, with the Iowa Wolves this season and a guy came up to me and he was, you know, he had kind of tears rolling down his eyes after he met me. And um, obviously Iowa Wolves games aren't, aren't as filled and packed as Iowa. Sure, yeah. Sure. You're a lot more accessible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, I was have a lot of personal conversations this past year after yeah. games and, he, you know, he shook my head and gave me, a, you know, a, a soft hug. And he's like, you know, I, and I have this portrait on my on my wall of this uh, of me making my game winning three at Wisconsin. And there's a guy that like um, he like printed it out and like uh, he, he didn't paint it, but um, he touched it up to, you know, be really unique. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, he has he signed up back and I put it in my room and it's one of my favorite things ever. And, and he ended up dying that next day after he did it. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. And the guy that met me and shook my hand was the guy, the guy's son. Oh my said, God. I said, I want to thank you for the, our last memory we had was sharing that memorable moment in your life of hitting that three and watching your family cheer for you. That was something I would cherish for the rest of my life that I got to share that moment with my dad. And, you know, obviously that was a very emotional, that's goosebumps wow. right there. Yeah. Yeah. very emotional conversation. And, but that's the kind of stuff like I want to carry on my next chapter. And that's what a lot of people get stuck in when they're athletes. They they don't know how to use what they were taught for so how long by these people, these great coaches, these teachers, how to transfer it to something else in their life. And that was a dead end I was kind of at. And, you know, I'm still mm-hmm. kind of struggling with that a little bit, but I'm starting to learn. I want to start using all that stuff we're talking about right now to be know the best person i can be whether that's having a family and being the best husband i can be or all the above i want to i want to make sure that transfers of all the stuff i learned and that's exactly why i speak of my dad so highly because hayden fry made him the person he is i wouldn't be here without hayden fry and i want to continue carrying that expertise and knowledge on to my next chapter 
Yeah, those those ripple effects are crazy. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know how how far a legacy can actually reach. It's it's kind of you know insane. It's insane to think about, and I'm sure that it's hard to even reflect and even say those things out loud because at the end of the day, like I you know I've said it many times, like. I've always done what I did for completely selfish reasons. Like I didn't choose to do any of this because I thought I would inspire anybody. I didn't, I was just trying to do what I thought would be the be the most fun and like the best job or like whatever, you know? But then when somebody tells you like you made their day, something really hard happens like, Oh wow. You know, um, I'm not going to go as far as to say, well, mm -hmm. this is what it's all about. Cause that I don't think that's genuine, but right. But in a way, it's something that for the, any little thing, when you're feeling down, something's like setting you back, just something small like that, like that guy having that conversation with you, you could have been in a dark place at that moment. Mm -hmm. And that kept you going yeah. the next the next day. Just one little 10 minute conversation. I mean, I remember a comic that I really looked up to. I was thinking about quitting and a comic I really looked up to had watched my set and told me they really enjoyed what I did and thought I was good and blah, blah, blah. That probably, that conversation probably sustained me for two more years. <laughs> that 10 minute conversation, you know? Mm, yeah. No, I, I love it. I think too, everything we're talking about, like happiness, money, you know, go down, a lot of, all, down the line of all the good things in life that makes you successful. You know, having a, having a great family, that's all a byproduct of doing, you know, the right thing, doing what you believe in is right. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm big, big um, believer in, in uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think he's led me to so many great things in my life to continue to move forward. And, you know, money's never the, obviously that runs a lot of people's mind now, but now I know, you know, that that's always a byproduct. If you're doing what you believe is the right thing you should be doing, that, that that in turn is what happiness is it's not going after absolutely yeah, yeah. You know, yep. it's not going after you know you know the prettiest girl like back in college like think about all that kind of little crazy shit like that's not that's not what's important in life there's so many other things that lead to success and being happy well success is self-defined in my opinion that's what i always say if you're accomplishing the goals that you set for yourself then you're successful whatever those goals are you know i mean if your goal is to learn how to be the best homeless guy, you're a fucking success when you got a nice tent. Like <laughs> it's it's that simple. If you you are the one that gets to decide what success is, it, that's that's the problem in our society is that people define success by the outside sources. They 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 have an idea of what success is because of the way people talk, you know. Oh, this guy's real successful. Look, I mean, he's got two cars, he's got a great house. And that's what they say. You know, this guy's successful because of that. What is that guy happy? Maybe his wife's a fucking cunt and he can't get out of it because he owes her half of his shit. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, there's just, there's so many factors. Uh, to me, I was a success for a very long time because I was buying my groceries, selling jokes. Like, that's all I needed, you know, and life has changed since COVID. You know, that's not. I'm not making 100% of my living doing comedy anymore, but I'm good. I'm happy. I'm secure. You know, it's kind of evolve or die, really. That's what life is. And I think it's people judging you based on what they think success is. Mm -hmm. right? That's that's the biggest thing for me. I, I feel like I'm a successful man because I have a good I have a good family and I have a good marriage and things like that. 
but somebody else may look at me and think, well, he's not as successful as I, as he should be. That's the, that's it's people's putting their projections on it is what it is. Yeah. And that goes back to my tweet. One of the things you know, <clears throat> looking back and reflecting on my conversation with that kid, you know, you, when you compare yourself to others, that's when, you know, so much damage can occur. Like you oh, comparing man. yourself and you not work. the enemy of peace. Expectations yeah, are the enemy of peace. Exactly. And you're not, you're not thinking of, you know, working to be better than the, the guy that you're comparing to. You're thinking about being the same level as the guy you're compared to. All those, all that stuff, like that is so damaging to someone's mind, someone's, you know, heart and passion of what they really love to do. And, and like I said, that, that whole thing about that tweet, that was something that I wanted to, I'm glad I reflected on that looking back on it because it, it really is about the mental side and mindset of life. It's not the physical stuff will come when you have that strong mental. Well, I've, I've always been a believer that the real key to happiness is whatever you're doing with your life that you enjoy the journey. Because if whatever you're doing, if you are doing something with your life to where you love the journey and, and the results don't matter, you know, you got to let go of the results and love the journey. Because if you love the journey, then the journey never ends. So there, there is no end result that you're trying to achieve. You just love being on the journey right. forever. 100%. If you can achieve that, you know, you're going to be probably one of the top 1% of happiest people on planet Earth. Right. <laughs> 100%. Well, Jordan, the other tweet that I want to talk about is uh, the one that you tweeted out last week when the gambling hit, and you said, somebody get me on a podcast right now because I got thoughts. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think I, I said I was going to moan for 57 minutes, so we'll see. Right, We're at an hour right, 13. Right. So. so, I mean, we'll keep it as long as you want to go. We can I, go. I'll, I'll do this all night. I don't but, give a shit. But I don't, uh, don't want to take up too much of your time, but I think um, – I'll phrase my first question this way, uh, and and I'll I'll talk about Hunter Deckers, um, starting quarterback, face of the franchise, face of face of the team, made those decisions allegedly. Um, am I wrong as a fan to go, what the fuck are you doing? And you have every. Everything that's going to come to you, I mean, you knew what the rules were. It's clear what the rules are. You made a conscious decision. I don't have any sympathy for you. As a fan, am I wrong in thinking that? Absolutely not, because they're held to expectation. I know we talked about expectations causing, you know, you know, kind of downsides in some of these guys' mindset. Yeah. But really, <laughs> you, you think about, you know, I've been through it. I know what those meetings are like before seasons. Like, you do this, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. You're well aware of your consequences, consequences when you make those actions. And you know, I'm, I've always, I'll always have a, you know, a strong, strong side for these college athletes because I've been through it. I know how hard it is, but man, when you don't do what's right, it's hard for people to want to be on your side. It's hard for people to want you to be a part of their program and want you to be, an inspiration for your community because you realize i mean that's what that's what college athletes are they're they're, they're key individuals in the communities they're, they're guys that literally make a difference in years to come on who they get for recruits on who you know how does their how does their community view them and what how, how's their fandom like all that stuff is off the backs of the college athletes so the platform make, huge platform yeah, huge platform so when you make a decision like that 
it's tough for someone to rally behind you. And I'm right there with you, Chris. It's hard for me to stand there and support for some of these guys that are knowingly and knowingly allegedly broke laws of, you know, the game that they, they take so pridely in. Um, I feel like, I feel like some of it is um, a little bit, blown out of proportion and i don't want to be this guy that says well the media sensationalizes things but i feel like the way it's been reported in some ways which by the way has been strictly factual i don't think any reporters or anything have done any here's the thing before you finish this bill sorry to interrupt you i know i've done a couple of that now so i apologize but no you're good how the only thing i don't understand is how did the gaming commission come out a few months ago and say we've looked into this there's no, there's not going to be any charges is that I don't, I don't know the exact statement they made but it was along those lines and then, yeah then we learned <laughs> two months later that because somebody else decided yeah right yeah, yeah. it's a little Some, somebody was a somebody there's somebody somewhere that was a a fucking nerd or something who's you know some there's probably a football player stole his girlfriend in college or some shit. <laughs> so like, he just wants to ruin people's days because he's a fucking small little person. But well, well, that, ask yourself why it's only Iowa and Iowa State. Exactly, and why is it only football and basketball? Right. You know, yeah. it's bullshit. But here's the uh, here's my point though. In the grand scheme of things, to me, like I said, the reporting has all been factual. But I still feel like the way the facts have been presented is somewhat sensationalized in that I feel like the tone of everything makes it seem so much worse than it actually is. Because to me, if you really, if you really look into it now, of course there's, you know, the kid that's in the NFL now, he was a little, you know, he got a little bit larger, but like um, you look at the bets and the betting patterns and you look at all this stuff to me, it's no different than when you were 19, if your dad bought you a beer. You know what I'm saying? Like any any one of us, as long as we didn't bet, you know, obviously I have a problem with you betting on your own sport or your own team or whatever. But like if any one of us, when we were 19 uh, and we did the same thing, like we ran something through our dad because our dad was like, yeah, whatever. You want to throw five bucks in there? Go ahead. Like that's all this was literally to me. Yeah. And we're not going to get in trouble for it as a 19 year old regular kid or the kid that who's dead. Cause it's perfectly legal for a parent to buy their 19 year old kid a beer. Right. That's legal. That's okay. So what, what's the fucking difference in my opinion, as long yeah. as they aren't tainting their sport. Right. Now a kicker, a, an Iowa kicker betting the under on the Iowa, Iowa state game. That's something that raises eyebrows. That's questionable. You, you might have influence on that. Yeah, if that I don't like I said, that's all alleged allegedly. I yeah, don't know. Alleged, but, yeah. yeah. But the fact I do agree with you. I think like you're betting on yourself theoretically, but not if you're stuff. betting the under. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, like yeah, if you bet on your team to win or something, but absolutely, who cares? Mm-hmm. But well, if you're betting you're, the under, I mean that's you could influence that, you know. Yeah, I, I would imagine like my expertise, like I, you know, I've met with the NCA president and I, mm-hmm. I know I kind of his mindset of you know, I guess that was an old president, but how they were handling all of these policies. I would imagine like it would loosen up just a little bit in these next couple of years. 
Like if you're looking at like I'm playing professionally basketball in the G League, I can bet on college basketball. I can bet on NFL. I can bet on all these other sports. I just can't bet on NBA and yeah. G League yeah. games. Like I can't do that. Which okay, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. And I'll bet on these other games, which I don't. I don't see any problem with. And that's what a lot of these guys did that have come out against. But as soon as we start talking about betting on your own team. I think that's a slippery slope for these NCAA members because they know they don't want to jeopardize the integrity of the game, even though the NCAA is jeopardizing the integrity of the game by what they're doing with other things. But well, the the NCAA invites it when you know prior to NIL. You're I don't blame I don't blame a fucking poor kid from Detroit who's shaving some points. You know, because some mafia guy is going to give him thirty five G's or something. I mean. that's the NCAA's fault that that anybody would even want to do that. Like in my opinion, NIL will cut down on that shit. Right, right. I agree. Yeah, it, it was kind of funny looking back on, you know, all these allegations that have occurred, and you look back, like I think it was, let's see here, November or late October that Riverside Casino came out and uh gave all this money to the swarm i'm like oh my oh God. yeah yeah <laughs> not a good look yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll take bill, it bill i'll push back on one thing though i you're right if i was 19 and and i said to my dad will you throw five bucks on this for me or whatever he probably would have but i would like to think that if i had so much to lose and i had certain responsibilities that were attached to what i was doing he would say to me, there's absolutely no fucking way I would do that. Right. Yeah. So Jordan, are the, are the parents in on those meetings? On those those, like education meetings, like when you guys sit down, like you were talking about when they tell you the rules. So the parents aren't in on that. No, but they, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, a parent might, if the parents aren't in on it and maybe a parent thought it wasn't a big deal for the kid to bet on a baseball game. If there's that, I don't know. It's hard for me to wrap. I, I, I'm kind of with Chris here because I know yeah. he's right. There's so much for you to lose to make a $7 bet on a game that you know you should not be betting on. You have your whole – you're jeopardizing your whole playing career. Like what's what's the upside of making a $21 – That's what up? I don't get. That's yeah, what I yeah, don't yeah. get. Is what's the upside to that? Yeah. Well, other than, other than just fun, you know, but – Right, There's but other go, ways to go, have drive fun. 30, <laughs> go drive 30 minutes to Riverside Casino and go, go play blackjack. Like, yeah, if yeah. That, if you really need to bet that bad, if you're wanting to bet on sport, go go make that drive 30 minutes. Sure. Like, well, that's, and, and that's my even, biggest problem. Like, I made that drive a, enough. Like, I know. Like, yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd rather go play like, blackjack than bet on my own team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just don't go to the sports book at Riverside Casino right. when you make that drive. Yeah. I'll go lose a hundred dollars at the blackjack table. I, I know right. I'm not going to go put money on a, a sports book. That's of course, when you were there, when you were in school, though, somebody would have been like, "Where'd you get that hundred dollars?" Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I would say at the blackjack table. Jordan have been over there paying his parking tickets with hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> My dad bought me some chips. Yeah. Jordan, I, it, uh, it, it's a bizarre situation. I don't know. I, I wish the best for the guys if it's not true, but. Well, I get that. I get that. Um, you know, just not weighing the risks properly and and making that seven dollar bet that can jeopardize your whole career. 
I can understand how uh, that would make a coach or a program be like, well, this dude's not even smart enough to play for us. So <laughs> we don't well, really, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, you, like, you wow, you're this that. dumb. Oh. You shouldn't be on our team. Uh, yeah. Listen, uh, I, I, I think it was Chip Kelly once said, I think it was back when Kirk uh, wasn't allowing players to have Twitter at the mm-hmm. time. And I think uh, it might've been Chip Kelly came out and said, you know, if you can't trust him on Twitter, how can you trust him on third down? Right. It's kind of the same deal. I mean, if you, you know, if you can't trust him to follow this simple rule, I, I, how do you, how do you trust him to do anything else? You know, I mean, I, it's, it's the same exact thing. It's a great point, Chris, because the same exact thing of what are your obligations? What do you have to abide by when you're a college athlete? Like, you yeah, know, you're not breaking all these other rules. Like, right. You're abiding by all these other, you're showing up to practice on time. You're not being late to lifting, you know? You're you're coming on. You're showing up to the bus on time to get to the plane. Like you're not doing any of these things that are against what the coaches has ex- as rules and expectations for the team. It goes along with that. It's not, and that goes on. That goes on to your next chapter in life when you're working for someone. If you're your own, your own boss, you got to abide by certain rules and laws. That you can't you can't do these things. And that's something I don't agree with. If these true allegations are true, then I'm sorry for them, but they should have known better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I, I just don't think, I think it's more nuanced. You know what I mean? I like, we all as adults even, you know, and it's not that they're not adults, they're young adults, but like, we all don't follow rules that we think are stupid sometimes. Yeah. Right. And, you know, like I said, I mean, shit about my shoes. Like I didn't follow the rules. Yeah, 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 right. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like you, you, when they told you not to do it, you're like, well, fuck you. Yeah. Right. And, and like you said, you're almost ineligible because of that. Right. So like, to me, obviously, like I said, when you're betting on your own team or whatever, I can understand that. But a kid that gets, cause what I'm seeing right now, the charges are these like criminal charges of like misrepresentation they aren't really like about gambling on the sport or anything like that. It's that they, they said they were their dad instead of themselves. Or well, something. that's because those are so, NCAA violations that as far as betting on their own sports or whatever, right? So, which they have not announced who the other people are for just the NCAA violations. But the, the point being that if they, I just feel like if they didn't bet on their own sport and they didn't bet maybe even on their own school, just whatever sport with their own school. But I mean, you can only bet on one or two sports, but um, you know, I feel like if they were throwing five, 10 bucks here and there at an NFL game, I just feel like you slap them on the wrist. You know, you just I have, the, you have the self-awareness, yeah. you have the awareness to yeah. just go, you know what? This is stupid. This is a stupid right. rule. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's well. a rule. But it doesn't, we can fucking fix it. We can change. Right. This is dumb. Well, like, that's why can't they happens. do this? And if that's the case that happens, then great. Then I'll yeah. back the players again because right. they, they changed the rule and they yeah they yeah yeah yeah. Successful, so, but here's the problem, and Jordan, you know this better than anybody. The NCAA is losing so much power that they're going to hold on to whatever power they have right now mm-hmm. with the tightest grip instead of being proactive and saying, okay, let's get ahead of this and make it a better situation. They would much rather squeeze on to what little, little power they have left because they're going to lose it pretty soon. And then after a while, there is not going to be any NCAA. 
they're, they're making the same mistake they've made throughout their entire years. Instead of seeing the problem and just keep pushing it down the road, they they would rather do that than be proactive and try to solve the problem. Correct. I mean, it's just a, I know, I know a few, I mean, I have a couple of buddies that work actually in the NCA and like, there's some great phenomenal people that work there. So whenever I see them, I'm like, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the board of governors and I'm talking yeah. about the NCA president. Those are the people that literally deserve jail time for what they've been doing for these athletes for so long. And you're exactly right. Right. They won't be proactive. They will not get on top of issues. They'll wait for the last minute to try to decide something that they think is right, but it's not actually right. And, you know, NIL is a perfect example. They're spending millions of dollars still lobbying against NIL. Yes. They want a bill passed by, you know, Tuberville. It's just a, it's a dog shit NIL bill and that will never get passed. But that's because NCA has, you know, legislators in their back pocket. They're going to do everything they can to try to not have these universities be ran by these players, but for hundreds of years. Well, they won't make any players, right. have been, players have been running. <laughs> It's but just a, it's an easy follow the money situation. Yep. I mean, in reality, the NCAA is kind of like the IRS. They don't even need to exist. Like yeah. they're they're it's almost like they're an illegal entity. They're thieves. Yeah. Like the the NCAA, they're just thieves. They they have nothing to do with any individual schools whatsoever. They just govern athletics. Mm-hmm. And for and for what? Why do they get to do that? <laughs> and they run a monopoly they, they yeah have, it's a monopoly under literally by people that are listening you look up a cartel they're literally a, a a living cartel in the united yeah. states what by yep. what they're doing. it's well, like, I said, frankly, like you're saying with Derek or on our, on our last podcast <laughs> when i said like military the war is just bloods and crips with money it's the same mentality it's just that the guns aren't stolen they have tanks yep like it, it's the same exact shit, and and it's the same deal with the NCAA. They're just crooks. They're criminals that are getting away with it, yeah. and because well, they wear a suit and tie, they aren't in jail. Color me shocked that Tommy Tupperville wants to put an end to NIL when the guy made all his money off the backs of players. So yeah. that, that's the funny. I, I've gotten so many arguments. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. A lot of these guys, like Seth Greensburg, he tweeted at me way long ago, and during COVID NCAA tournament when I was complaining about, you know, what was yeah. going on. And he's like, you're so ungrateful. Like you get all this stuff. And as a college athlete, I'm like, sure. Shit. You're going to say that Seth, you just had a subpar 500 coaching career, but you made millions of dollars. off these <laughs> right, right. Right. Maybe, and maybe now you're sitting so, on a cushy job. Yeah, maybe you should about less it. money and then coach the players a little better. And you would have had a better record. No kidding. <laughs> or how about, yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way, you got to suck for four years and get bought out of your contract. Exactly. You didn't just get you. You got a million dollars to leave. Yeah. And yeah, we might get the education, but nobody's giving us two million to leave. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jordan, uh, we're going to end it here. I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on. This has been phenomenal to be able to sit down and talk to you and. Uh, and and I really appreciate it, and I've 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 found a, a newfound respect for you, and you, you've made a fan out of me tonight. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Chris. I, I thank you guys. I know, like I said earlier in the podcast, I've met so many great Iowa State people, and as much as I hated the Cyclones when I was playing, like I, I always think like Iowa is truly one of the best places in the world, and we can have this rivalry and still talk about it when I'm done playing and. But there's so many genuine people, and I appreciate you, Chris, for having me on. I think that's what makes Iowa so great is we have such great people in the state. 
Sure. Overall, like I, mm-hmm. I found that I liked Seneca Wallace. I interviewed him a couple of times and talked, and I actually uh, genuinely liked the guy. And I fucking hated him. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I hated that dude. I got in a fight on the way out of the game with Iowa State fans when Seneca Wallace was playing. I don't Literally. know you, but I don't know you, but just by the personality when I'm talking to you, I, I don't know why that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is it was 30 Iowa State fans on two of us and not a scratch. They're all bitches. <laughs> all you. <No. laughs> we were too busy basking in the glow of yeah, Brad Banks's victory. Brad yeah. Banks's fumble of hand of God. Uh, all right. Yes, it was Aaron Greving, who was from Ames. Asshole. Uh, but anyway. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, before I go, Jordan, thank you so much, dude. This was so um, awesome for me just as a fan. Um, it's it's hard. You know, I feel pathetic. I grew up a Hawkeye fan. I started going to games when I was like six years old. You know, was never good enough to play at the Division One level, you know, on any sport. I played Juco baseball for a minute, you know, but I never got to get that that far but i have bled black and black and gold for um you know my entire life and so in a weird way in this little bit of a pathetic way uh as a 45 year old man i still like look up to you guys like even though (laughs) and i think a lot of fans are like that i really do like i mean i'm spending thousands of dollars a year now you know and I I still look at the players through that little kid lens. I I I still envy them. Like if if there was an adult make a wish, like I would fake a terminal <laughs> illness. <laughs> I would fake a terminal illness to be Herky for a day. Like I would do all of it. So sadly, this, this is, no, this is huge for me, and uh, I, I love all you guys so much, and I and. And Fran, man, if you ever, I ran into Fran at an airport in Detroit when he first started the job. Uh, and I've always loved the guy. And, I, and I've been the biggest. I have always supported him. I know Hawkeye fans get on him. I love him. That stare down with the ref last year is one of my most favorite things I've ever seen in my life. I adore Fran. And I know for a fact his players love him. We'll run yeah. through a wall for that, dude. Yeah. So to me, that's all it takes. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly. I'm not gonna lie. I would give anything to talk to Fran McCaffrey on the podcast. <laughs> oh fuck! Just I to love get Fran. just to get Fran and Bill in a in a, on a on an episode together would be great. So, <laughs> right. Me Fran, me Fran and Jordan talking about pussy ass refs. That would be. I have so many conversations with Coach. I have like this hundred notes on my or like hundred hundreds of quotes on my phone of Fran, and they're like ninety nine percent of. Of refs, so <laughs> uh, see these people. I, I knew it. It's Fran. I want Fran to be my uncle or something like so bad. God, I adore that dude. Oh, that's so great. I all adore right. him. All right, we, we appreciate everybody listening. Thanks for tuning in. Check out all our pods on the Three Beers Media Network. And uh, with that, I am Chris Shipley. This is Bill Blank. Thank you again, Jordan Bohannon. We really appreciate it. And everybody have a great night.